grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. God makes promises in the readings before us today, but these promises are very different. Now, on the one hand, we hear of fire, destruction, punishment, vengeance. And then on the other hand, we have promises of healing, promises of hope, redemption, and vindication. Why? What is God saying in all of this? Well, we see the Lord speaks to you today in a word of warning to show you he is just against sin. But he also speaks and shows you that even as he must punish sin, he shows you mercy. Mercy in Christ who took God's wrath upon himself. Trusting in Christ through the scriptures, then, you have hope, and your future, then, is a glorious salvation with him forever. Now, always on this second Sunday of Advent, when we see these readings before us, especially that first reading, it's quite unpopular to hear these words from the Bible because they go against the grain. They go against our modern notions of a God who tolerates sin, who affirms people's decisions, a God who's just an overall nice guy and sends everybody to heaven. But that's not who God really is. And you know what? Thanks be to God for that. Because in that other God, the God we make up in our minds, there is no such thing really as grace, no such thing as mercy, and there's no salvation. Instead, today we don't see a weak God in these readings because the Lord is, in fact, not weak. He doesn't look the other way in terms of sin. Here again, what God said through the prophet Malachi. He said, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Now, with that vivid image before us, there's no wiggle room in this declaration of God. Nowhere is there a caveat saying, well, so long as you try hard, so long as you're sincere. Or we hear this and we can't just write it off as, well, that's just a a scare tactic. God's trying to scare us. But really, that's not the way that God will operate. That won't be the case. No. God's word here is clear. And he doesn't just warn, but he promises that will happen on the last day. For the evildoers, for the arrogant, for sinners? Well, that's not a pleasant image. And then he goes on to say, though, But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Now, as much as there was all of this destruction, there is vindication. There's healing for those who fear his name. That is, for those who hear his word and by the Holy Spirit trust it. Those who fear the Lord have this as their future. God promises it. So what's the response to this that we see before us? Well, one option is that we can just dismiss it. We can look at this and just say, well... You know, that's the Old Testament, because Jesus, he would never talk like that. 
Jesus, when he talks, he's all about affirmation, he's all about tolerance, he's all about love, he's all about getting along. Well, that line of thinking lasts for not even as long as we can think it and get it to our mouth. Because Jesus does have something to say. And we heard a great deal of this in the last couple of weeks of the church year, and today we hear and what he says in Luke's gospel. He tells us, Jesus said, But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell in the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So here Jesus, he warns too, like the prophet Malachi, of what will happen on the last day when he comes again. He warns us to watch ourselves, that is, to look carefully at our lives, to examine who we are and what our lives confess we trust in. Now, there's another way in all of this, the coward's way, to just push it out of sight, out of mind, the judgment of God against sin. It's to write it off as either being some man-made story, to refuse to pay any attention at all. But this lifestyle is sadly becoming more and more popular. Because in our minds, if you don't have to listen to God's word, that is, if you don't listen to it, then you don't have to think about it. Then we're open to determine our own destiny, to live our lives the way we want to live. And then if somebody, how dare they come and try to talk to us about the things of God, then we can think that we have the high ground because we are above all of this. We can say, who are you to judge me? I've watched things on the History Channel. I know way more about the Bible than you do, even though we never crack it open. Now, well, that may give us some comfort, albeit false, for a while. The day does come when we can't avoid it, when we can't avoid the truth any longer. You can deny something like gravity all you want to until you slip and start falling. And you can curse gravity the way down, all the way down all you want to, but you're still going to get bumps, you're still going to get bruises, you might even break your leg as your whole body knocks down the stairs. Especially if it's in the middle of the night and you have socks on and you have hardwood floor. You can not believe in gravity all you want to, but that's still going to hurt. So we can try to blame God for the things in our life all we want to, we can try to mock him, we can try to write things off, we can simply just not give a rip, not care about any of this stuff, but then you are confronted with your own mortality. You're confronted with this world, and you stand naked, you stand helpless, and you stand with nowhere to hide. And so then those two things are put before us this day. In the future, for those who reject Christ and his word, there is a future, and it's bleak. But God warns all of us not to take these things lightly. To not take the things of God lightly, to not take our sin lightly, to not take lightly what it means to be a hearer of God's word. Sure, this admonition, this warning is for those outside of the church, but it's also for us within, lest we become complacent. Lest Jesus says we too get caught up in the cares of this life, dissipation and drunkenness, and neglect the Lord. God's word is clear, and he calls his people, he calls all people He calls you to repent. Now, in these two different promises, though, we see that God doesn't contradict himself in all of this. 
No, all of this comes to a head in what Malachi says at the end of the reading, which is the end of the Old Testament. Those are the last words of the Old Testament. He says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. The Lord reveals he would send John the baptizer to prepare the way for the one who is to come. The next two Sundays in Advent, we'll hear about John. The promised one would take all of this wrath onto himself and pay the price that sin deserves, death. He would be the true Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So who is he? Who is this one? Where do we see all of this coming to a head? Well, in Christ. Because in Christ you have your Redeemer. The God who doesn't brush aside sin, the God who doesn't look the other way, is the God who instead came down from heaven in order to redeem you. Because the Father reconciled the world to himself in Christ. And you see this in Christ crucified. You behold him in faith. Paul tells us in Romans, For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. That is, the same God who demands punishment for sin is the same God who takes that punishment on himself. Last week we heard about that as our king came riding in through the streets of Jerusalem. And we see Jesus as our king. And today we see him as the one who takes all of this wrath, takes all of this destruction, takes it all upon himself in the moment that his body hung on the cross and he died for you in your place. We call this the atonement. This was the atonement for your sin. By his death on the cross, he paid with the price of his own blood, which you owe God. And now you have peace with the Father. So that he is your mediator, your mercy, your Lord who has bought you back from sin, from death and from the devil, with his obedient life to God's law and his death as a sacrifice made to God for you. Now baptized into Christ, then, you have what Jesus has done. And in faith, you behold Jesus as your Lord. And you see things differently, then. You know what your future is. Your future is a future of healing, a future of vindication, a future of redemption. St. Paul tells you today the confidence that you have. He says, whatever was written in former days was written through for, for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another and in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how you know Jesus, how you know and have what he has done, how you know what your future beholds is through his word. And hearing and clinging to this word, clinging to the promises, in faith you have hope. And it's not some wishful thinking. That's not biblical hope. That's worldly hope. No, the hope that you have is a sure and certain confidence of what is going to happen because of what Jesus has done for you. 
Your hope, given by God's word, is a glimpse of your future glory. And then the Lord puts before us this wonderful image of how then to view the fallen world. How it is that we keep our eyes fixed on the future, but yet walk through this life, tainted by sin and all of its consequences. Jesus says, look at the fig tree and all of the trees. As soon as they come out and leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Now the fig tree takes a while to bloom, and some of them bloom twice and bloom at different points. And they bear fruit, but when it does, you know what is to come. So as you go through this life and you see your sin exposed by God's law, you see it, you repent, because you know it will tear you away from Christ. And then you look around and you look at the world and you see the suffering, you see the death, you see the destruction, you see all kinds of evil that make you shudder to even begin to think about them, evils that we don't even begin to fathom and even know, and thanks be to God for that. But you see, you look at these things and you know something else. These are not what God has in store for you. Instead, you have hope, real hope. So you look around and you see these things as the world blooming in the end times. And you know the fruit is to come. You know summer is at hand. The best is yet to come. Now unbelievers see these things. They see these signs. They look at this stuff. They get caught up in them and everything in the world. And they see it as everything they know and love is coming to an end. Everything is falling apart because their lives revolve around the things of this world. But that's not the case for you, dear populist Zion, people of God, what this Sunday of the church here is named. You see these things and know that everything you know and love is on the horizon. Your glory is to come. And you know what a thing about your glory is? It's an eternal glory that will not fade away. A new heavens and a new earth where you will walk and be with the Lord forever. And so Jesus said, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And so that's what God promises you this day. He promises you a great future. Your sin is forgiven. And how you stand before the Son of Man is that you stand righteous in God's sight on account of Christ and his life and his work. Raised for your justification, you have the assurance of who you are before the Lord, the assurance that God's wrath against you, against your sin, has been been satisfied, it's been paid for, and your sin is forgiven, and you are reconciled to God. So you go through this world looking forward to what is to come. You hope in God's word, which will never put you to shame, even if others may mock you for it, even it may bring you hardship, persecution, and all types of things. You never grow weary of doing good, of abhorring what is evil, of delighting in the new life God has given to you. And the Lord keeps you steadfast in this faith. He gives you salvation, and he fixes your eyes on Christ, knowing that your redemption is indeed drawing near. He gives you his means of grace where he does these things, his word and sacraments. And he warns you to stop receiving those things and have reason to fear God in the last day because you've separated yourself from Christ and you've lost that hope. Because Christ's hope only comes from him and is given by his means alone. 
but instead never grow weary, but receive these gifts faithfully and continually cling to them. And never doubt, don't get caught up in what the world tries to tell you about yourself, about what God, what a false God may be, but instead trust what God says to you about himself and his holy scriptures, what he says about you and your baptism and the preaching of his word as you eat and drink his true body and blood given and shed for you. And this is a wonderful Sunday in the church here. What a glorious future the Lord has won for you that you share with God's saints. He promises, he promises eternal life even as he promises he will come again. Malachi pointed the people to this. And the preaching of John the Baptist pointed the people to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now on this side of the cross, resurrection and ascension, you hear this preaching from God's prophets, you hear it from the mouth of Jesus himself. And all of this is yours now and forever. Your Lord promises this to you. And when God promises something, it will be. This, this Advent, hope is given to you and is held before your eyes. And so as God's people, we hear this wonderful promise and we cry out for what is to come. Come, Lord Jesus. Even so, come quickly.